of uh, note. There's many rumors. There's many rumors, and uh, <coughs> there have been. Okay, let's let's reel back. The last thing which you heard uh, was yes, uh, what Brian Carl said. Sorry, audio series. You've come up. Would you mind doing the favor? Be courteous. What you do? No, yes, sir. You mute yourself. You raise your hand. Yes, sir. I'm doing so right now. Doing so right now. Much appreciated, and thank you for that. So, uh, Aaron, um, please let's let's do this again. Uh, you, uh, what was the last thing you heard? Was it a statement by Ryan Mittal that they had? Refurbish the number of the marbles, which are now ready for delivery in a few days. Or what was the last thing you heard? Um, uh, exactly what you just said. Yeah, there's nothing to add at this point in time to it. We are following this closely, and uh, let's say we're we're close enough to those people who are making noise that we can find that out quickly. And if there is news, uh, uh, you will hear from us soon. Okay, thank you, Axel. You should expect to hear something after tomorrow, I would think, given the fact that uh, the meeting will be there. And uh, let's say that we tend to expect that there's a sufficient amount of pressure to release uh, in that meeting. Vishnakovsky, you were first and then audio series after. Yeah, I'm kind of um, attaching myself to exactly the same topic. Um, I wanted to ask, since Olaf Scholz continues to block, or since it seems that Olaf Scholz is continuing to um, be disturbing arms supplies to Ukraine, I wanted to ask if there is another Rammstein meeting happening soon, because I remember when the Rammstein meeting with Lloyd Austin happened, it tomorrow. has been said, ah, okay, that's... Tomorrow, the meeting in Brussels is essentially Rammstein 3. Okay, so then we can expect that Lloyd Austin takes um, Scholz under his arms and um, puts some more pressure on him, hopefully. Well, we do not, we have no confirmation that Mr. Scholz will be present physically, because if he were, he would see how tall Lloyd Austin is, quite literally. <laughs> okay. Thanks. That answers everything. You're welcome. Stay with us. Audio series, you came up. Audio series? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Um, so, yeah, I was really interested in um, understanding how um, a lot of um, refugees are being displaced in many places and how, uh, how, do, how do the refugees being put in places where um, there could be large um, populations of, you know, uh, people in the United States. How do they feel about um, displacing those people? Um, what do you feel about um, anti-black crimes? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. not quite sure what. What do you mean? So, so displacing the people. So, so we have people, I, Sorry, let me, let me specify. I guess. Question. Okay. Well, let here's my second. Well, I guess I will specify my question then. How, Thank you. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Um, how do you feel about, um, you know? 
the hate crimes that have been happening to foundational black Americans in the United States, um, you know, at the hands of white supremacists, how do you feel about how the United States doesn't protect? How does it pertain to Ukraine? I'm sorry, I, I can't follow this at this point. But I do have my personal opinions, which I do not carry out. Uh, carry out well, here. so if you can find a way to, if you can, sorry, please, if you can find find a way to make your questions and your concerns relevant to the topic at hand, how Ukraine is dealing with a Russian invasion into its country, sure, sure. how 44 so, million Ukrainians right. are defending themselves, then that would be helpful. Okay, so I'll, I'll say this. So there are um, about, you know, 44 million um, foundational black Americans in this country who are um, the... Sorry, what, what, is, what, is, what is this country? Um, America. I don't think anybody America. else right now speaking is, is, is in the same country as you. This is the internet. Right. Uh, so I'm in America. So what I'm saying is, is um, Ukrainians are getting, um, by the American uh, taxpayer dollar, uh, Ukrainians are getting about $6 billion dollars. Uh, by the Biden administration, um, you know they're they're paying out that m amount of money. So what I'm saying is is uh, how does that factor into what's going to affect uh, America? There's no that's there's no I can help you with this. It's very simple. There's no equivocation between domestic policy concerns ex without a war going on. There is no current Russian invasion of the United States. There's no threat to liberal democracy and the Republic of the United States by means of an invasion. As a consequence, mm. here on the Russian, there I is would, none. To differ. I would beg no, to differ. You can beg, differ. beg as much as you like. Well, there is no... Well, I would do you mind? You can bag as much as you like. This is not a topic for here. Do you understand? There are Russian soldiers currently raping eight-month-old babies. There are white. If you want to come back here, if there you are want to come back here to lecture me on domestic policies of the United States, then you can also America. in a different. There are audio serious, audio serious. You have no courtesy to the cause, as it seems. Please be reasonable. Okay, well, sir. Okay, let me ask you a question. Okay, I will. You asked your, you asked your question, and it was an absolute attempt to hijack a room which is dedicated really to the support true. of liberal... Would you please listen? I am the co-host. I'm telling you, you are disturbing. Then fine, behave, courtesy, polite. There are many more people who are extremely polite. I am firm. I will tell you this. If you have a question, as everybody else here, pertinent to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we can talk about it. You didn't. Because I would gladly love to talk about that. I would gladly love to talk about that. Actually, I would. Why don't, you, why don't you DM your question kindly to Dorman, and if there's a relevant question, there's, we will read it out on the space and we'll invite you back. Up until that time, please do not. May I make a final statement before I go? Is that polite? No, I think we've had enough. Please uh, do me a favor, write your okay. question to Dorman, well, and then you can come back. Bye-bye. Well, so, let me put it this way. My dear gentle people, uh, it is quite okay, and we're very much free speech oriented, and that's absolutely fine. That's actually one of our key aspects here.
But if somebody comes here in equivocation to hijack a room for completely different purposes, as valid as they may be in his own eyes or in the eyes of other people, when I ask the question whether the United States of America is currently at threat of having eight-year-old babies being raped by Russian invaders, and the answer is as what, as what you heard, then I presume we're all in agreement that it's not quite um, appropriate to carry on such discussion. If somebody has anything to say about it or disagrees with me, please send a message to Dorman or myself. I'll be happy to address it. I doubt it because this community is strong, resilient, and we don't take bullshit. This was a uh, hijacking attempt. On that note, I will thank Axel and Doman for the work you do against these people. Thank you very much. Just to clarify real quick, this isn't against anyone. It's just very simply put, we're we're here for for one thing, one topic. This is what this space is for, this community is for. That doesn't mean that other topics are not worth discussing. Elsewhere, just not in this form. That's all there is. Uh, Otherwise, we end up talking about everything, and therefore we end up forgetting Ukraine, which is the point of this specific space. Um, That is all. It's... uh, it's a it's a question of remit. Adrian. Well, uh, I don't know if the gentleman is still around. I mean, I just wanted to make a little point for him that it's okay. It's a very important issue. Uh, and I've seen many spaces on Twitter on this issue. Right now, because I'm connected to Ukraine and I know people uh, who in Ukraine who are suffering, I'm dedicating all my energy to Ukraine in this space here and whatever I can do otherwards. I will not presume to go into rooms where people who are suffering in another country and are discussing their issues and bring my the issue that I care about, which I think is the most important in the world right now, actually. But I will not presume to go and hijack their space with this, even though I believe that as important as that issue is, unless we stop tyranny, dictatorship, and genocide in the world, then that um, then it will just spread, and then they won't live in a country where you could actually debate such issues and try to improve them. Thanks. And thank you very much for saying that. I think Vishnikovsky also had a word about it, and I will have a closing statement. May, may I ask a quick question? Sure. You could have raised your hand too, but it's fine. Please ask your question. No, I, I did raise my hand before. Sorry. I um, apologize and I didn't see it. My apologies. My bad. No no worries. Good day, everyone. Fantastic space. Fantastic discussions uh, uh, as usual. But these hijacking issues is happening so often. And it's, I just find incredible how much time we are wasting away by trying to educate people or shoo away people that come to disrupt what we're trying to do here. Um I live in the UK and what happens here very often, if you call a radio station, you normally speak to a producer and you state your case. And if they put you on air and for a minute, a fraction of a a minute, you stray away from uh, what you previously stated, you just cut off air. You know, these people don't come to this space to to be educated. So I think it's a complete waste of time and the detraction of the time and the precious expertise that we're getting from people here to give these people 
you know, any breathing space in the uh, here at all. So why don't new people that have not been sort of vetoed yet have to submit that question in writing to uh, a co-host or someone um, that's leading the space at the time for them to read, assess, and then adopt a, a similar policy because it is incredible the amount of, start, of time that's been wasted away from serious discussions, you know, to entertain those people. So what's Sorry, for... that, that's all I wanted to say. Thank you so much and fantastic work, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, for. Um, I'll, I'll just note that I did indeed get a question from the you know, earlier speaker in the DMs. The question verbatim is as following. Should Americans support Ukraine? Question mark. And uh, Axel, maybe you, you would like to, to address this because I know that you have a thoughts prepared on this. Uh, as always, this is exactly the point and uh, watchful. Thank you for highlighting this. We have this often enough that people send us misleading indications or generalist indications. And it, um, as I said, we are here as an open community uh, Yehuda put it quite nicely. He gives people uh, rope because if they come up um, with an extraordinary statement, um, he leads them. And we tend to do this for a moment um, because that is how Twitter works. We are not a radio station and we don't want to censor people. Sometimes it's good to see uh, how bad uh, the influence of these people is. We'll try to minimize it. And there I agree with you. We'll try to minimize the impact on the space. I apologize that it took another few minutes now. And obviously, audio series will not be speaking to us up until we do have a proper question from him, uh, which is relevant. The, the question as to whether America should uh, support Ukraine has been answered uh, for the second time in 100 years. And for the second time ever, America, meaning the United States of America, together with its allies, by the way, but the United States of America have, with overwhelming majority of the whole Congress, executed a land lease to mobilize the resources, the arsenal of democracy on their side in order to fend off a totalitarian colonial empire subjugating or trying to subjugate a nation. And I think that's the answer. It's not about should the United States of America support Ukraine, but how and when and what can be done in specific terms under the land lease to execute this and how to prosecute the defense of freedom. Nothing else matters in that regard. And yes, Audio Sirius is, by the way, laughing, so he can do what he wants to. That's fine. Maybe he should just actually go to room 101 where he belongs. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we have Crystal and then we have Sojo. I don't know who was first. Maybe we'll give uh, the young woman the benefit of uh, staging it first. Sojo. <clears throat> Thank you, Axel. I would just like to just make a very short statement. Um, I'd like to thank each and every one of you um, on this space. <clears throat> Axel, Donan, uh, Yehuda, uh, Walter, um, everybody uh, who contributes, OSINT, Wings, Oh gosh, Ryan, Craig, you know, the list is endless. And uh, um, and you're doing a great job. Keep on rocking. Thank you, Sergio. For the free world, I agree with you. Crystal. Good morning again. Sergio, thank you for that. That was, that was, that was very nice. Um, to Watchful, 
yeah, listen, I get really frustrated at, um, at these folks too. But, you know, one of the things that, especially with Yehuda, um, my area of expertise is not necessarily international politics, but uh, I do understand disinformation and I understand PR. And I've learned a lot about how to disarm some of these um, conspiracy theories and also how to, how to really spot them pretty quickly. And uh, from that standpoint, I think I'll take the whatever little bit of negative comes with uh, having these folks in the space uh, and not moderating their entrance um, over, um, uh, you know, as a learning experience for myself. That's just for me. But I I totally, man, I totally agree with you. It does. It does derail things. Thanks. But it's also part of the narrative setting, uh, which is attempted by parties. Don't forget, they come in, uh, depending on who they really are, because some of them portray themselves as someone, and they do it in even double entendres. So they try to actually pick out one item which they can use in order to wreak havoc and play with it. And uh, yeah, we, we know this. We know you all. And by the way, we have your details. And typically, our boys and girls can suss out quite easily who's behind an account very quickly. And that is what we do, because as much as people would like, it is the internet, and we're very good at it. So, Doman, let's go forward. Whilst Audio Series is still believing that he can't be detected, and that his game is really helpful, but it isn't. Vishnakovsky. Yeah, I just wanted to add um, that, I mean, probably we just had to deal with another troll which are not too rare, but I give this troll still the benefit of the doubt. And if he really cares about Black Lives Matter or really cares about the issues at home in America, I just wanted to add that um, two wrongs don't make a right. Um, There is some bad things happening all over the world, like bad things here and there. Um, Ukrainians are not to blame for that. And I've been in Kiev quite a lot of time. I would call it my second home. And I have seen in Kiev how international cultures and communities got embraced there and celebrated because, in fact, um, they embrace um, this versatility of different cultures still because they don't, didn't get to see much of it and they want to actually learn and see more of cultures. So I've not seen any other city yet where foreign cultures were embraced on like they are embraced on Kreshatik in Kiev. So I just say if you if you want to beat on someone because you're angry about about the situation about black people in America, don't beat on Ukrainians. They don't deserve it. Um, go to Ukraine, see for yourself, ask yourself the question why there is so many international fighters joining the cause, fighting for freedom of Ukraine. It's because Ukraine is a great country, a country of great people. And if you honestly and sincerely were here in the space to talk about Black Lives Matter, think about it twice. It's really against your cause. If you go here and play out those two parties against each other, it's it's really, um, yeah, it's hurting your own cause. Don't do that. And um, support the Ukrainian people because that's the place the space that we have for right if you want to 
support another cause in the world, another atrocity which is happening or fight another atrocity which is happening in the world, open, open your own Twitter space and people will chime into your space. But here it's about Ukraine and Ukrainian people are really, um, yeah, they deserve all our support. And certainly they have nothing to do with the um, domestic politics in America and the things that are wrong in the United States. That's what I wanted to add. By the way, and you're absolutely right, but that's the point. Doing something actively is not actually the target. The target is here to disrupt this space because it's not even the topic they're pursuing. It's just one narrative they use in order to disrupt. And that's fine. And that's where we end with a piece for Ukraine and then we move on. Hello again. Um... Maybe I would like to just sort of launch a bit, a bit of a question. Uh, I know that last evening uh, we completed the fundraising within Riaid uh, for the acquisition of the drone, of a drone. So I would like, if possible, to have some development on that, some sort of, you know, like details, um, if we can talk about the drone type, the capabilities, the autonomy it has, what brings as an addition and improvement to a specific brigade, um, what will be the delivery time, when can we potentially see some photos of it in action, and, and I'm sorry, and killing some Russians. So I'm I looking forward a... to it, sorry. <laughs> Thank you, please. I have a lot of details. Let me just bring them up because one of the uh, Maria aid. Did I mute everyone? I didn't mean to mute everyone. I'm sorry. I think it was my slip of the finger. Uh, one of the Maria aid uh, fundraisers has actually sent me all of the details. And I mean, all of the details uh, that I was wondering about, but give me a second because I kind of find them all of a sudden uh, because I have too many messages. Um, one minute. There we go. Right. Uh, about Fury. Fury is a VTOL, that's vertical takeoff and landing drone. Uh, drone. Uh, they can see a bit of the sky. If they can see a bit of the sky, they can launch, so they don't need a runway or anything. Once they're high enough to avoid obstacles, it transitions to a fixed wing. It has been clocked at over 200 kilometers an hour. It's weather dependent, but it's very quick for a drone. And it has a way of mitigating the effects of radio jamming and also GPS jamming. So basically it's, it's somewhat resilient to electronic warfare. It doesn't need to be flown by an operator, so it can be pre-programmed. However, an operator can jump in and take direct control if and when he or she wants to. The pictures can, can be streamed live to a battery commander who is nowhere near the main controller, so, so it can have connections to more than one um, uh, place at a time. And it's got more range than an M triple seven does. So basically, you know, if you if you combine it with an M triple seven battery or a Caesar battery or whatever, it it has a longer range than those do. So it can uh, be controlled from farther back from a safer position, and also you know cover all of that area up front. Continuing, um, it has a double axis camera gimbal, which means it can circle targets kilometers away and still keep eyes on the target rather than having to fly towards the target. Uh, there is also direct links that have been set up by Maria between the crews and the manufacturers so they can improve the fury and kind of, you know, get it, get it to work better. 
um, a bit more about how uh, Maria came to this. Uh, basically, Colonel Lake commissioned uh, one of the uh, contributors, one of the volunteers, to do a report on what was needed, why it was needed, what was available in the market, what was the cost. And so basically, they got this by talking directly to the drone crews. They got to figure out exactly what uh, the drone crews need and then um, you know, search through all of the companies to see who could, uh, who could get it. The Fury is brand new. Nobody else apparently has it uh, yet. So it's, it's a brand spanking new piece of kit, apparently very good, that will, um, that, that will be able to help uh, Ukraine. And, and yeah, I, I hope that uh, that, that kind of covers the question as best possible. Uh, actually, you might know a little bit more about timelines, I think next week, maybe, right? Yeah, the acquisition, the purchase was executed yesterday, as, I'm a, as I understand. And uh, the indication uh, Yehuda gave was that by Friday, the drone should be delivered. Whether that means that it's effective in theater, I doubt, because it has to get from where it arrives in Europe and has to get from there to theater. Probably people will have to start checking it out and using it, but I'm actually quite certain that uh, making it useful and productive as my Ukrainian friends call these kind of things, they will be good at it to do it soon. And we'll keep you up to date. Thank you so much to you both. That is fantastic. Thank you very, very much. And we have Ben with us again. I don't know to what extent we already had a little update on oh, the Roman language press, but I, we 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 have not. Uh, ben, feel free to go ahead. And I have uh, one one of my more favorite listeners. Actually, before we go to the Roman language press, Axel, um, there has been a an unwanted uh, development uh, on behalf of Portugal. And since we have peace for Ukraine here, and maybe we can get some other of our Portuguese uh, up as well. Um, Portuguese Prime Minister, this is from the FD, a small excerpt. The Portuguese Prime Minister, Antonio Costa, has told the FD he is against granting Ukraine EU candidate status at next week's summit. The great risk is to create false expectations that become bitter disappointment. Less legal debates, more practical solutions are needed, he said. It was essential to answer the emergency uh, in Ukraine and the Ukrainian people are living in now, he said. Um, and I would very much like Peace for Ukraine to uh, maybe comment on this and tell us what she thinks of her prime minister. Shortly, he's an idiot. That's totally unacceptable, honestly. Uh, after visiting Kyiv, after speaking with being on site, seeing the images, the atrocities, after knowing perfectly what Ukrainian Ukrainians have been going through, passing through, knowing, as you rightly so said earlier, this doesn't uh, doesn't mean that uh, European Portugal or any other country will spend one cent granting 
uh, candidate uh, status to Ukraine. He's totally unacceptable. He's an idiot. I'm going to write him a very nasty message or maybe a good message and then a nasty one. I'll see how I feel, but uh, that's unacceptable that he he says that at this point in time. And and for me, he's just being an idiot, honestly. That's uh, in, in, I could curse in Portuguese, but it's not a good idea because there are other Portuguese online. And, uh, but, um, but it sounds so much better in Portuguese than in many other languages. Uh, é um filho da puta desgraçado só de ir lá para o tal sítio. Sim. Para qual sítio? Isn't it perfect? We are right on the money. Não posso dizer. I cannot say because it's uh, it's very impolite and my mother has raised me better than that. Sorry. So then I shall hope that she's not currently in the kitchen or in the office with you. She's outside in the garden. <laughs> That's good. All righty. So, um, Ben, do you have a moment? For you, Axel, always. That is delightful. Thank you very much for the courtesy. Um, is there any chance that you... Uh, did you manage to read the, uh, say, Roman language news this morning? Um, Apart. Um, I couldn't couldn't be quite as thorough as I would have liked, but uh, I can I can cover uh, a few things. Um, before anything else, I'd like to start by a quote of uh, the Pope uh, that has been relayed by the, the the Italian Communist paper Il Manifesto that says that when it comes to uh, the diplomatic overture that he's doing towards uh, Moscow, his target is to cook rather than to cut through. Cucere prima da tagliare. I have no idea what it means, to be completely honest, but I thought that it was uh, an interesting interesting uh, uh, little piece of information. Is there maybe a disconnect between the um, Italian-derived Argentinian diaspora and its original language? Maybe it's trying to soften the, uh, the the parties rather than cutting through them. I don't know. I, I would say that we have to be a bit uh, merciful for for the Pope because, well, he's the one head of state who really cannot send any heavy weapon to the to to Ukraine, and that's a good reason for that because it's not with his like five hundred Swiss cards that it's going to do much. But um, oh, but we did have a pope, right? We once had a pope who stood staunchly in the on that side of the court of freedom. I think we had a pope who had no guns per se, but managed to somehow help defeat the Soviet Union. If only I could remember who that could have been and how he did it. Julius II. Hmm. I think it's Julius II. <sighs> Yeah, I think some people have the gift of the gap, meaning the gap between what they should be saying and uh, reason on the one hand, 
and they can't connect reason with what they should be saying and therefore they are bad at communication and this pope certainly probably is bereft of reason and can't communicate so he's nearly scholzisch i i'll i'll leave you the, the the responsibility for that because i'm personally um well i don't i don't, I don't want to to trade on, on that one minefield well, this Pope believes that he should still be talking to Kirill, don't forget, because he recognizes Kirill not as a KGB, sorry, uh, yeah, as a Cheka agent and uh, working for a Stalinist organization as opposed to a religious leader. So what else is there to be said? Um, from my part, from my point of view, absolutely nothing. I, I really, I know nothing about the, the dialogue between religions. Uh, all I know is uh, a good banter once in a while when I see a Muslim friend, and that's that's the the best I, the best I can go to. So, I, uh, let's move to the Roman language news and radio, yes. television, and bellissima yes. Italia newspapers. Per piacere. Uh, dunque, uh, sfortunatamente oggi non ci sono tante attenzioni. Oh, sorry. Uh, Unfortunately, today, the, uh, most of the Romance language uh, newspapers are still paying mostly attention to their local news uh, and to the consequences to their, of their elections, uh, since Spain, France and Italy all had, that, uh, had these. So they are, of course, wondering who won, who lost, and uh, this sort of things. Uh, and to the extent that they are speaking about um, about um, Ukraine, uh, it's of course Serovodonetsk, which is uh, capturing most of the attention uh, with the with the quote of President Zelensky talking about the uh, terrifying cost that uh, Ukraine has to pay on the daily in the Donbas uh, to keep the Russians at bay. Uh, so se several um, articles um, deal with this, uh, the front, uh, the question of the bridge that has been blown, uh, echoes from the battle, how violent it is, etc. The French press, on the other hand, is also focused on another aspect, uh, which is the announcement by Macron uh, that there there is going to be a change in the procurement in the military procurement policy of his country and that uh, in a sense there uh, france is going to, going to emulate the um, the american uh, legislation known as defense priorities and the location system program in in uh, what they want to do there in a sense is to beef up the production capabilities of the french armament industry and to uh, give them the possibility to a respond to a certain uh, growth in demand such as uh, the one that we're witnessing at the moment with the uh, first of all with the ammunition crisis uh, for the ukrainian as well as the as the the eastern europe the, sorry the eastern flank of the EU requiring more and more uh, weapon systems to defend themselves. Uh, the, for, for instance, the Lithuania has just ordered almost as many uh, Caesar guns as the French army has 
in its inventory at the moment. Uh, this is a sort of um, uh, orders that the French industry is not able to cover. And so Macron is trying to um, yeah, beef up the, the ability of the, of the French industry to, to do this. Uh, Les Echos, uh, which is the economics newspaper, adding that the aim is to move away from, and I quote, the strategy of small series. Uh, in practice, this means that um, they're trying to avoid producing uh, few at high cost, and they want to produce a lot at, um, at a smaller cost per unit. The, the Figaro mentioned that it's going to be a long-term effort and that the, uh, Macron is saying that the only way for this effort to reach its target is to uh, garner the support of our European allies. Although it's very interesting that in the different newspapers that I read, no one is even mentioning this. So uh, I'm not too confident on the ability to. Uh, of, okay, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, comment. Just uh, the rest of the European press is not paying attention apparently. Uh, uh, again, in the field, there was a, a very interesting article about how uh, Ukrainian society is mobilizing in support for uh, its army. And in particular, uh, how they're crowdsourcing a number of items that are necessary for the front line. Uh, I guess here we'll, we're uh, well acquainted with these sort of things. Uh, although in our case, it's more known uh, on an international basis. Um, I'm not going to get into the detail of the article, but um, it's, uh, it's very uh, reconforting on the fact that since day one and till this day, the Ukraine nation is really behind its army at 100% and is not uh, faltering and is ready for the long haul. Um, so in that sense, that's an important article. I just would like to share a tidbit of detail where at some point the, uh, the local, the local um, uh, NGO said, oh, well, if you, if you have any form of item that could be useful for the front line, bring, please bring them. And they were thinking in terms of uh, uh, boots and uh, uh, warm um, warm clothes and whatever the military may need on the front. And they said, well, we're quite surprised in seeing a number of people bringing Kalashnikovs and even one guy asking where he could uh, give us um, a mortar, a 120 millimeter mortar. So where was this? Some guy who had in his um, uh, why well, some guy had at home a one hundred twenty mill one hundred and twenty millimeter mortar and uh, he brought it to his local uh, uh, to the local NGO to support the Ukrainian troops on the front line. You know, as well, that's what you, you know. typically have in your barn. Yeah, oh, uh, I'm I'm not a country boy, but I'm. That's pretty much what I assume you, you all do. Yeah. Axel, um, maybe you should refrain from commenting what to keep in the, you know, northern barn. Just in case. It's all covered by the hay. Yeah, I, I'm sure there is uh, in excess of a full Panzer division, division hiding somewhere. Um, 
Oh, there was um, something which is close to my heart, which is uh, uh, Wikipedia, and uh, we don't, I don't share this love with everyone in on the space, but uh, apparently Wikipedia is fighting uh, um, a very hefty fine that the Russian justice system is trying to impose on it and um, trying to defend itself from, uh, from basically this uh, uh, gag order that uh, the Russian uh, government is trying to impose on it. The, um, this morning, I had mentioned also that Les Echos, the French economics newspaper, um, had quoted an, an English um, research institute uh, saying that in the year that is to come, they expect 15,000 millionaires, Russian millionaires, to leave the country. Uh, and that's 15% of the number of millionaires in Russia. So there's a very sizable uh, and probably quasi-permanent uh, departure of the high net worth individuals who, which may, uh, may have a, a fairly large effect on the Russian, Russian economy at large. That's a funny part, Ben. You wouldn't be surprised to hear that. Of course, this is a great piece uh, of uh, quality journalism. It <clears throat> highlights yet again how narratives are spun and placed. The study they're quoting and the reports they're quoting are from Henley Associates. Was it uh, Division of Henley? Uh, Henley is a former recruitment agency. They still do this. And they look at all sorts of things which pertain to personnel, including experts and the likes. And uh, uh, they posted that study yesterday on the basis of some statistical analysis rather than anything else. And that study in itself is probably worth the paper it was written on. Of course it was, right? Because Henley Associates definitely has its feel on the pulse of those Russian millionaires and they know exactly where they all come from. Now, let me think where that data originally came from. And uh, there you have it. So, this is now being regurgitated, recast, and then probably six days from now, you'll find it in the um, newspapers lying around in the metro. Okay, well, then I'm sorry to, to be... Um, no, uh, that's good convict. that you mention it. I, I like that you mention it because it's important to see as to how the news travels throughout Europe between the different countries. In the good old days, and our English compatriots can tell you this, the good old days, it was always an American study which was quoted. And the same thing goes, by the way, in Austria. They love to quote American studies, meaning take a news report about something very arcane which can be polarizing, gets you clicks and thank you. That's exactly what's happening here. Nobody cares other than the French, white Russians in Paris as to how many Russian millionaires actually try to emigrate in order to join their community, right? Um, well, to an extent, I think we should... Well, I, I do pay attention to it in the sense that... Um, well, I don't care about, about people who've inherited large fortunes. Uh, what I do care about is, A... Um, those people who are millionaires because they made that fortune and because, you know, there could be um, the sort of, uh, of uh, professionals that uh, help tremendously a country. And if they're gone, that may be a, a large endurance for the, for the Russian economy. And being, How do you make a lot of money in a totalitarian uh, oligarchy? 
Um, yes, but if if you look at it, one million dollars is may not be that much. Uh, I think that covers quite a quite a few um, doctors and IT specialists and things like that. Or uh, I might and be mistaken. Of, and how many of them are security risks? Oh, that is a question for you to ponder because I I, I live in a land of puppies and unicorns, and the the, the principle of a security risk does not uh, does not cross my mind ever. All right, please go on then. Um, the um, oh, talking about security risk, the spokesperson of the Kremlin, Peskov, uh, had something to uh, uh, crucial information to share with us. It's the fact that Russia is a large country. Lest we not forget. Yes. So it's a large country, and as such, it uh, cannot be affected by sanctions. And uh, since sanctions cannot have any effect, well, we should lift them already because, uh, frankly, it's... What I I don't understand, Ben, is, you know, they, they realize they're a large country, right? Why, why do they feel the need to make it bigger? Strategic depth? Well, then again, um, you're, not, you're not being fair. I'm sorry, but you're not being very fair. When you see the level of competence of the Russian army at the moment, uh, you really want as many hundred kilometers as possible between uh, you and anyone else if you're living in Moscow. So, yeah, I do see, I do see the interest. Domen, the other point is, of course this vast country is so full of its culture. It's overflowing with culture. It really needs more space. Uh, True. And, well, there... um, Axel, I'm sorry, I don't speak very good German. How do you say empire in in German? Kaiserreich. Hmm. So we could speak about the Russian Reich and being very far from the mark. Thank you. Um, unfortunately, today there was no uh, information about um, uh, nice ladies, nice Ukrainian ladies um, selling uh, roses. So I cannot share this with you. But uh, there is a, a final piece piece of good news I'd like to share. It's that the um, Lega Nord of our friend uh, Salvini uh, has lost in the Italian uh, elections that I was mentioning earlier, uh, which shows that um, people in Italy were not very impressed uh, by the the person of Salvini in general, but also probably by his recent stunts in Moscow and his um, inability to stand for the most basic element of, uh, of democracy and civilization at large. Uh, so it's one, one more friend of the Kremlin who's biting the, biting the, the dust. And uh, yeah, one more domino falling. Uh, I don't think there's very many left. So that was the, that was the positive takeaway from, from, for today. Thank you, Ben. Is that the end of the wrap of the? Yeah, I could not cover the 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 Iberian Peninsula. Um, uh, I'll have a look and come back to you if there's if there's something interesting. 
Okay, thank you very much. Um, I got a, um, a rundown of the Romanian press uh, by Anda, one of, our, one of our helpful Romanians, because she wanted to make sure that uh, Romania stops being uh, ignored when you do the, the Romance language rundown, for Romanian is also a Romance language. Uh, and she very helpfully provided a, um, uh, he, uh, very helpfully provided a rundown of what was mentioned in the Romanian press. Um, a lot of it are you know, general news that, that you, Ben, you've already mentioned. I will just note a couple uh, that are, uh, let's say, maybe a little bit more Romanian-centric. Notably, uh, it was reported by Oleksiy Goncherenko from, from Ukraine that Klaus Johannes, the president of Romania, will join the other three, uh, Super Mario, uh, as well as Scholz and Macron, in visiting Kiev. However, the Romanian Minister of Foreign Affairs later noted, or, or sorry, maybe somebody else from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, that it's not okay to announce something like this beforehand. The Agriculture Ministry reports that Ukraine has lost something like one, fourth, one quarter of their agricultural production, that is fields, due to occupation and heavy shelling of the crops, uh, which I think is very important here. Um, additionally, on slightly more positive news, uh, thousands of Ukrainians have in recent weeks used an app with which they can 3D scan buildings, monuments, and heritage objects uh, that can then be rebuilt if they're you know, better, easier, if they're destroyed during the war. Um, Peskov, as you mentioned, yes, Ben? Sorry, sorry. Uh, regarding the, um, the Ukrainian agriculture, I also read a few things about it. Um, and I think the same report that was mentioning that uh, over one-fifth of the Ukrainian uh, agricultural land had been lost, also mentioned that um, for this year, uh, all the necessary uh, extras that are added to the land, so that's, um, I'm sorry, I'm having problems shifting from French at the moment, um, the uh, chemicals, well, the things that you add to the land, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, most of it had already been bought by February 24th uh, and was already in um, in the um, in the country. So that, uh, to the extent that anything is easy in in uh, Ukraine at the moment, uh, there was no problem no, no problem of that sort, uh, and that the the Ukrainian uh, harvest for so when is it 2020 three was probably going to be able to to be uh, planted and grown as uh, as if nothing was happening so sorry a bit convoluted but uh, i wanted to to complement the slightly negative uh, info well, uh, yeah negative dark information that you had by saying that the the four-fifth of the agricultural land that remain in the hands of the ukrainian uh, can be uh, tilled and cultivated uh, bountifully. Thank you, Ben. Um, additionally, some uh, other news that, that might pertain to uh, Ukraine from Romania. Macron is coming to Bucharest tonight. And, you know, we, we will see if he'll go to Kiev straight from Bucharest or maybe there'll be a stop off in Kishinev. There's some... Uh, misunderstandings possibly about that uh, and Romania might be entering Schengen 
which is another thing that's been uh, kind of discussed at the next EU summit, not just Ukrainian, Moldovan, and possibly theoretically Georgian accession to candidate status. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's about it for the really uh, important bits as well. Thank you, Ben. Um, yeah, anytime. Sorry. Yeah. Good morning, Yehuda. And apparently, yes, my colon is going to Kishinev. Thank you, Daniel. And again, thank you, Anda, for uh, preparing the rundown. I didn't go through all of it, of course, because uh, Ben covered much of it already. But you know, it's, it's nice to see uh, the balance across the Latin-speaking nations of Europe. Oh, yeah, I agree. The What this exercise brought me is the fact that um, maybe even more than information, uh, raw information, which is sometimes um, just a repeat upon a repeat upon a repeat, is to see what is mentioned and what is not mentioned and how it is mentioned. And um, uh, I, w I wouldn't dream to really add to the information that the people over here are, are providing. I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense to, to compliment on a language learner uh, or or John's uh, uh, input, but at least to see how this is sifting through and um, and uh, and how this is reaching the larger population is uh, is interesting in, in its own right. Absolutely. Um, what is the time of day? Boatarde, spring. Um, first of all, it was just to do an update if Ben wants about Iberia. It's mainly the Kershan situation, situation. Um, that the people that is around there is still, they still have some hope that they get um, freed by the Ukrainian troops. And, um, also the situation in Donbass that Zelensky says that it has been a very horrifying combat. Uh, about the Portuguese Prime Minister, um, it's already translated to in Observador. Um, I'm not commenting much on it for the time being. I don't agree with this position, but what I want to understand what lies beneath and I will fight him with arguments. Swearing doesn't help me much uh, for the time being. Thank you. Thank you, Spring. Um, I'll just quickly note that, to my knowledge, uh, Costa is the first European leader who has actually come out and uh, um, you know put his name to any such you know comments against uh, Ukrainian accession to candidate status for the EU. And uh, that's why he's uh, going to be at the, you know, going to get particularly many many comments back. And I think it's quite right for as Peace for Ukraine said that she's going to write a strongly worded letter uh, or other comment to Costa. I think it's right for for the Portuguese uh, people to do so because it's you know it's quite unacceptable, uh, especially in consideration of Portuguese own history with joining the European Union. Um, you know, getting candidate status, I think, three years after the Carnation Revolution already. And it would be, 
you know, it would it would behoove Costa to instead support vociferously so candidate status for Ukraine, as the accession process takes years anyway. And I fear that he's just being used as a uh, as a as a what shall we say as a voice for some other less than. Uh, scrupulous politicians in Western Europe. And I don't think that's his necessarily his actual opinion in the first place. Spring? No, it's um, what uh, the population thinks and what the government thinks that are another thing, because in the polls, Portugal, I think it's even above uh, Ukraine, the support for Ukraine. That is something that is unbelievable, but it's true. Uh, so... Um, I need to understand what lies beneath, what is the, because as you know, Portugal is in a very weak position because of their international debt and the sovereign debt that we have to pay. And I would like to see how much is being, Portugal is being pressured by France or Germany in this case, but I will have to wait and see because I want to, before I make further comments, I will be um, waiting for trying to understand what is going on. Of course, people can say uh, um, what they think, but what I don't understand is that he was elected with more than with a majority in Portugal. So um, somehow. I have the duty that is a representative of Portugal and I didn't vote him to have some respect in public for him. I can disagree, I can argue, I can go and protest with him, but not calling him names, that is going too far for me. Thank you, Spring. Um, uh, who is jumping up and down, I hope he sorts out the technical situation with that. Um, Peace for Ukraine. Should we should we address really quickly uh, the the actual you know the the content of it, uh, the content of what he's saying and you know maybe speculate a little bit on why he's he's saying this. I have only one comment or piece of information is that last week Antonio Costa went to Paris and had lunch on seventh of June with President Emmanuel Macron. Uh, and let's not forget the largest Portuguese community outside of Portugal, around about one million Portuguese, sits in the in the outskirts of Paris. And I have no trouble in calling him an, an idiot. I'm Portuguese, and I will continue to do so. I'm very sorry. I apologize if I bless anyone's sensitivities, but I have to call a spade a spade. Thank you. Let's say just he's being a massive spade right now. How about that? Um, yeah. No, to to put it nice and nice and nice and kindly. Um, now earlier we had a very nice, uh, very nice discussion. A few of us uh, exactly about the importance of giving Ukraine candidate status, all of the things it brings for no cost whatsoever, and uh, I, I just I just think it's it's fundamentally off. Uh, for anyone to you know to come out and speak against it, especially you know seeing that this was published about six hours ago, this came after the very strong support by the European Commission for uh, EU candidacy for Ukraine, and it's um, yeah, it 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 just seems inappropriate to come out with this, and I do I do think much like uh, you know has has been discussed right now that this has something to do 
with some other countries kind of pushing Portugal to publicly state the position to be the full country here, the full government here uh, for their own reservations that they might hold for no good reason whatsoever, right? There is no need to have reservations about candidate status because it doesn't change anything for all of the other countries. The country changes things for is Ukraine and it changes things for the better. The Ukrainians want it, they should receive it. It's uh, it's, it's one of the cheapest way to provide fundamentally aid to Ukraine, right? 